Before we get started, there's something I'm really excited to share with you. It's no secret that we think diversifying your income is incredibly important. One way that we do it is by investing in rental properties. We've done a ton of research, interviewed experts, and invested over $100,000 of our own money in income-producing rental properties. I am proud to announce that we're launching Rental Properties for Passive Investors. It's a course on exactly how you can passively invest in rental properties. Like our podcast, it's incredibly actionable and details exactly how we've both purchased and managed our rental properties. It also includes a year of investable, the analysis tool we use to make sure the rental properties we purchase are actually profitable. Finding the deal is half the battle. You need to know your numbers to make a profitable investment. We're running a pre-sale for $100 off. Head over to listenmoneymatters.com slash REI to learn more. That's listenmoneymatters.com slash REI for $100 off rental properties for passive investors. Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome to Listen Money Matters. Telling yourself you deserve something is just an excuse to bypass the rules of your budget. My name is Thomas, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking this fine afternoon? I'm damn good, and I'm drinking something from your neck of the woods. It's oh, from yeah? Breckenridge Brewery. Oh, is it uh, the... Actually, you know what? I bet it's not. Guess. No, guess. I was, was going to guess the agave wheat, but that doesn't no, sound like that your kind of cup of tea. That does sound good, though. Like a That's my favorite one. Agave is from tequila. Tequila is from agave. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. That sounds good. Okay, so do you know any of the others that they? Uh, I probably will recognize. You've it, been there, I, haven't you? Yeah, I've been there like uh, two times. Man, I think. Sh- I just uh, the vanilla porter. With, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is yep. really it's really really good. Matt loves that one. Uh, I'm actually going to see Matt tomorrow. Oh shit! But not in Breckenridge. Yeah, I was kind of bummed because there were two separate weekends in the last three week period where. I'm like, oh, it's April, so my expectations of snow are low, and then it snows, mm. and there's powder up in the mountains, and it's going to be like 28 degrees all day, and then I just couldn't go because of planning reasons, or like oh. I had to work or whatever. It's it's 28 degrees over there? I I don't know. Like, It's been like 70 degrees here in Denver, but we, because we have crazy um, weather swings, we'll have like a 70 degree day, and then we'll have like a 35 degree day where it snows. And then every time that happens, I'm like, Breck Snow Report in Google just to see. And yeah, I don't know. Like, I just haven't been able to make these good ski days. Anyway, we're talking about out of control spending today. Yes. Which you need to rein in if you're spending too much money. Stop buying so much burrata. Why are you buying that much burrata? And you always ah, get dude, the truffle so version. Good. You always get the black truffle version. It's an extra $2 of Whole Foods. You could... Get the regular version for five ninety nine instead of seven ninety nine. Save yourself two bucks. But you did. Boom. <laughs> Episode done. Yep. That's it. Stop buying the truffle burrata. You are not that opulent. Look, I don't know about you because you you are superhuman in your control of <laughs> things. But uh, Laura and I have always been like a roller coaster. Like well, there are times where we're like really really good. Like we're like fucking bare minimum, and there are times like we're spending more than we make and we're like eating our savings and if Anna heard you say that about me she would she would have a good laugh 
Why? How, do you, do you spend all this money? And, you know, I okay. Money wise, I never spend irresponsibly. Like she will tell you all the time, like, oh yeah, Tom buys lots of expensive crap for himself all the time, but I pay myself first in in that I automatically invest every month. So there's there's literally never been a time in like the past, I don't know. So you do ever have since a I was spending problem years then. old. Well, I don't know what a spending problem is because I have savings goals and I hit them and then I always have a surplus in my checking account. Like I follow those rules. I guess you you said that I'm superhuman and self-control from like a general standpoint. And this isn't mm-hmm. true because every time I buy a chocolate bar, I eat it within 24 hours. Well, I was like no 24 hours. It is. I, every time I buy a chocolate bar, it is gone before we leave the store. <laughs> <laughs> like or I like, Hulk open the wrapper, jam into my mouth. I don't yeah. even like chew it. <laughs> I think my self-control issues have mostly to do with food. Like if I buy a pint of ice cream, I'm like, okay, I'm going to eat a little bit tonight for dinner and then I'll, I'll let, make it last over the week. And then what will happen is I'll actually wake up in the morning and eat the rest for oh, breakfast. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I've learned that I can't buy ice cream. I can only go like out for ice cream. Otherwise I'll just eat it within 24 yeah. hours. We, we've uh, done the, the whole ice cream container a few times <laughs> and we've stopped. We haven't done it in a while. You guys crush the bottle of wine. That's what you do. Yeah, which is why we buy like $10. Because once, you know, you the, it's corked, it's basically gone. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> yeah, we don't do that either. We usually, we never finish the bottle of wine. But I don't think it's because we don't like to drink. I think it's because we'll have a glass of wine and then I will usually want whiskey or something. See, the thing drinking. is, you said you buy like a lot of fancy gadgets for yourself. Like, you, since you've known me, I have like the same desk. Like that I've had. Yeah, like, you I mean, do. This, this is the first mic I've ever bought. Like my head, these headsets is the same. Like I don't really buy, and the lawyer doesn't either. But like, damn, if we don't eat and drink a lot. <laughs> yeah, I saw an Instagram post from you the other day. That's just like always be eating or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> of you and Dumbo like eating a euro or something. It's <laughs> my job. But yes, I think you and I are. We, we have like opposite types of spending problems where you tend to eat out way too much, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if mine's like a problem. It's because- a problem. If you don't know it's a problem, it's a problem. Is it? Yeah. Is it really? I mean, I'm, I'm looking at your room and I could just tell it's a problem. But the <laughs> thing is like these. Okay. So here's, here's the big thing. Most of the big expensive things I buy other than like my snowboard and my guitar are for business. Like I'll buy better camera gear to make better videos or I'll buy like a better microphone or better headphones to mix music with. Like, I don't know. Is that a problem? Well, okay. So, so when you say it's for business, that is, that is what they would call uh, in the old days an excuse. Um, But if you think of like, if, so I'm wearing, these head these headphones that, that are like nice. I think they're like fifty dollars or something, or maybe they're a hundred. When I bought them literally four or five years ago, and I could upgrade to yours, and they might even be ten percent better than these, but they probably are roughly the same. And then, so like, what's the marginal gain? Well, they're on the same for what we're doing, but space I space travel. You can't I want travel to- in space with these because. I want to mix music right? and eventually want to use my own music on my channel and like eventually like make music a part of my life. And so I bought the headphones that are like 
agreed upon to be very good for mixing music fine accurately. fine i guess the point is i'm i could sit here and i could justify <laughs> anything right that's and true especially I could if that. i did internet research i could super justify it i mean trust me everyone who yeah. spends justifies and so i want to that's like, what we're superhuman at exactly justifying <laughs> justifying <expenses>. your excess <laughs> so i want to take a step back and kind of like uh provide like a few ideas um maybe like a, a few mind-blowing things that we found in research. Mm -hmm. And then there's this method that Laura and I came up with uh, that we have lovingly dubbed the refrigerator method that is like cut our expenses uh, in a third. Mm -hmm. um, and we're now saving a lot and it's just kind of ridiculous. So, and it's, it's like really easy. Um, and it, like it, it covers our, our blind spots, but, but we'll get there. Do we want to wait to get there, or do you just want to tell me what the refrigerator well, method is? No, I want to. I want to <laughs> wait because then I'll keep you in suspense. Damn it! All right, what are some boringer ways to save money then? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I mean, there's like all different ways, but I think it, it comes down to like how you look at it, yeah. right? And, and it's, it's interesting when we talk, we were like before recording, we were talking about like going out to eat and spending on like dinner and drinks. And you're like, me and Anna only have one drink at dinner. I was like, oh, ho, I can't even believe you only have one <laughs> drink at dinner. And, and, but it's like how we view dinner and your dinners are probably a third the cost of mine. And I would probably get roughly the same amount of enjoyment if I approach them like you did. What, so what does your average dinner cost? Uh, for Laura and I, it's, it's probably between one twenty and one fifty. Okay, it's like double. Okay, it's about double what we pay then. But it's also that's still I, a lot. I, I mean, I it could, is New York. I could say that as the excuse, but there are many ways to reduce it, like BYO, which you've been doing more of, mm. and you know, yeah. um, you know, you could perhaps pre-game or post-game. Um, if you wanted to drink like Laura and I do and, and eat. But so I think it's like this thing of viewing $20 like it's $1. And mm. it's uh, if you made $100 a month, every dollar is 1% of like what you've earned. But if you earn 10000 a month, you know, $1 feels so much less significant. It's right. Like 0.01%, I think. Maybe something. I don't know. Math. Yeah, one percent of ten thousand <laughs> would be a hundred dollars. Yeah. So it's so, so 10 it's point one. So yeah, minuscule. And and if you think of and I think what happens is you know you get this X amount of money every month and it it, it colors your perception on what a dollar twenty dollars a hundred dollars means. Yeah. And so what happens is. Where you used to spend a dollar because you only made a hundred, now you spend a hundred dollars because it feels roughly the same, but yep. you blow through it really quickly and you almost can't put your finger on where it went. That that is absolutely true because I do remember being in college. I felt that spending six dollars on going out to eat, like if a burrito was like six dollars, I was like, oh, that's kind of a lot. Hmm. Or maybe like high school was the time for that. So I, you know, you, you go to McDonald's, you could spend four bucks. And yeah. Eat. So like six bucks is a lot. And now, you know, we might, if we're lazy, we might go out to eat like three times in a week, easily blow 60 bucks at each time. And it's like, it's like 10 times as much, but when, it's the same kind of experience almost. 
Absolutely, because you maybe weren't making money or much money then. You know, uh, in, in college, I remember we would only go out if the beer was like four or five dollars. And even oh, then, yeah. like there would be, I don't know, like 40 percent of the people would be almost at a mutiny state. Like, <laughs> like we're not going or might not even be friends with you again because it's like ridiculous. <laughs> Meanwhile, Laura and I will we'll go prance to a place and we'll drop like 14 dollars on a cocktail. Yep. Like one drink, you know, and that's um, like a small cocktail. Yeah. Well, I mean, it depends. But anyway, so um, part of it is just like viewing it as as it is. Right. Maybe easier said than done. So like perspective. So how do you retain that perspective as your income grows? And I guess the second question is, do you actually need to? I mean, it's all about your burn rate, I guess. So really like your your income growing isn't as important as your burn rate shrinking, if that makes sense. It does. And so I, I think of like um, the, the progression from like when you made $100 a month to like when you made whatever large amount a month. And obviously your expenses increased. And uh, if you are so lucky to get to a certain point and you have like savings, you're securing your job, and maybe, maybe like you're so not concerned about your spending but things always happen things can happen and uh it is so much easier you you have so much more to lose when you have like retirement savings and you have this like great job you're making all this money versus when you had a hundred dollars you had like almost nothing to lose yeah and you put yourself into this position where uh you know, maybe you're balancing the books at the end of the month, or maybe you're maybe you're saving a thousand dollars a month. Maybe you made ten thousand in a month, and you were able to save a thousand. You're like, well, I saved a thousand, but it's not that much relative to what you're making. And if shit were to hit the fan, you have a lot of soul searching and, and issues to shore up. Yeah, yeah. So I guess if, that were that's like the question to ask yourself is if I stop making money right now, like what would I want to continue to spend per month? Like, what if there was a recession? You know, and people just in mass couldn't afford to go to college or people like colleges died or, you know, some ridiculous thing that you'd think was unreal. But but say it, it, it happens. And how would that affect your earnings? And, and would you almost wish that you were more prudent, you know, in the past with your money? And yeah. not saying that this is happening, but I think that as you become more successful, these are like thought experiments you should try because maybe they maybe they cool your jets a bit on the spending. So, well, it's like pivot. viewing. The, hmm? I would just pivot. pivot. Hot dog stand. Yeah, but tiny umbrellas in the hot dog. <laughs> that's that's the distinguishing. Uh, yeah, unique selling proposition, man. You got to have something that sets you apart. No one's doing tiny umbrellas in the hot dog. And look, like, <laughs> I don't want to say that we're, like, different because we're really not all that different. But yeah. I don't think that you got the new gadget because the the person who lives next to you did or this other person you know did. Like, you have, like, your own, re- your own independently fucked up reasons on why you buy the things that you buy, right? And yeah. the same with the things that Laura and I spend our money on. It's not because, like, the people who live below us went out to dinner three times a week, so, well... I have to, whatever, we have our own issues, but a yeah. lot of people we know spend 
because other people spend. Yeah. And and it's kind of like a status thing. And it might not even be like a, oh, you know, I got to keep up with the Joneses. They just got this great new lawnmower. I have to buy that to look just as cool. It might be like a, you almost feel like you're expected to spend a certain amount of money to be part of your friend group kind of thing. Yeah. Like I think you were talking about before we started recording this, you know, you can only go to so many brunches before you're broke. Then you keep getting invited to all these brunches with your friend group. And, you know, it's like every Sunday you're just like spending 75 bucks because everyone's getting bottomless mimosas or whatever. And and you don't want to be the one like, I can't afford this because then everyone's like, oh, Andrew's really not doing that well. Like, look at and meanwhile, you're like, as you say this, you're like knee deep in debt. Yeah, um, exactly. But but like it's this whole like outward appearance that you're really concerned with and and like Facebook if if anyone uses that anymore or or Instagram or any of the other things like amplifies that. Yeah. It's kind of weird being like a YouTuber or like an online person though. I feel like in in new media there's like almost this expectation to not look like you have a lot of money. Maybe that's just me coming from like a YouTube centric world. No, I, I think that's uh like this new new wealth, right? So there was like this yeah. old wealth and you got this mansion and you had like five butlers and you laid in bed and they changed the bedpan and you just had like monitors above your bed while you watched all your butlers like clean your house. And that was like old wealth, <laughs> right? And and new wealth is is like no one knows that you're wealthy, right? You just you're a normal person. Yeah. Um, no one needs to know. And uh you just kind of like this shirt that I'm wearing is from Old Navy. I'm mm-hmm. I could definitely afford a shirt not from Old Navy, but this one had three craft beers on the front. So I was like, I need a well, <laughs> well Laura was like, Andrew needs it. And whatever. Like they fit me good. I wonder if that's part of the reason why Ty Lopez does so well. Because like everyone else is out here in new media and, and you know, new wealth trying to just like downplay how much money they have. And he's over there being like, I have a mansion and I have all these Ferraris and two thousand books and I'm hanging out with Rihanna. Take my course. Dude, so you look at this whole Bitcoin thing and now it's like ironic and kind of hilarious because from the other ends where it's really, it's kind of done, um, whatever. But like the the driver was for a like Lambo. Like Lambo was like yep. one of the core pillars of like the Bitcoin community, like Holder and whatever. Yeah. And I just find it so ironic because uh, without like putting a label on it, like that's how people who don't have money view people who do have money. Like when I get rich, I'll get a Lambo. But when you have to like, say, say you earn money, like digging ditches after you dig 10,000 ditches, you're not going to blow it on a Lambo. That's ridiculous. You just dig 10,000 ditches. Like yep. you're, I don't know, going to buy your family a reasonable dinner and save for your retirement. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the problem with the Lambo. Like, you need much more than the Lambo costs to actually yeah. get the Lambo. I mean, I guess you could save up exactly what it costs, buy it, and then realize you can't put gas in it. You need insurance, and insurance <laughs> on a Lambo is, like, insane. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you need a lot more money. But, yeah, I just I often wonder about, about people like him. Like, there's just – there's certain people in – like online entrepreneurship or, or the YouTube or podcasts that they, they do project their wealth. And 
I guess there are a lot of people out there who do it to the point where they're they're actually lying about their wealth and they're yeah. renting private jets just to act like they own one. But coming from YouTube, at least, I feel like there's this there's like this unspoken rule where if you're like younger, like early twenties, you almost need to show that you're like, oh, I'm one of you guys. I'm super poor. Look. If, if you have to like show that you have like, look at me, look how good I'm doing that. That's gross. That's gross. Like, I mean, yeah. and, and it's kind of pathetic because you can um, have confidence and you can do great work and, yep. you know, maybe, maybe you and your wife or whomever you could uh, understand these things, but do random other people do you like, do you need to qualify yourself to people you've never met? I, I think that's yeah. like in lieu of confidence, perhaps a Lambo provides some level of confidence. Yep. Right? Um, and so there was this like phrase that uh, I had heard a long time ago. I didn't come up with it, but it always stuck with me. And it was this concept of you're the only one that sees yourself naked in the mirror. You look and you see all the blemishes and all the imperfections and you're like just really judgy about yourself. All, all of your issues you're like acutely aware of. However, no one else sees all those blemishes or knows those issues. They see what you put on Instagram, what you put on whatever. And so, or, you know, they're at brunch and they're like, I'm getting another beer. And you want only get one, but you can't afford it. And so you're, you're looking at like their outward perception or what they want you to see of them. And you're comparing it to how to the reality of yourself. And so it's just yeah. not a fair or a one-to-one comparison. Yep. Not at all. Yeah. Instagram and Facebook and all that kind of stuff is, is super tailored. And the problem is you don't get to live a super tailored experience. You live everything, but then you see the tailored version of everyone else. Yeah. Which, you know, it's not fair to yourself. So, yeah, I guess uh, that could be one big reason why people overspend is just trying to keep up the perception of having enough money or being able to fit into their friend group or the status things. I'll tell you, I, I think my um, big weakness with money, number one, it's like I just get interested in too many things. But I think the real thing is uh, I immediately jump towards needing the best thing. <laughs> so like yeah I know I could mix music on a like pair of Sony headphones from the 80s that were like $2 at the Goodwill and if I just put in a ton of work I could probably make something that sounds good maybe I'm not going to get the best stereo imaging maybe I'm not going to get the best you know um, EQ and I'm going to have to go like test that on my car stereo a bunch of times but I could do it but because I have enough money to do it I often just be like alright well if I want to do this I'm just going to buy the best thing immediately or at mm. least maybe not the best thing but like something that's like better than what a start like a normal person just starting out would buy you know and um i, I think it makes sense because you know you want good things you know you don't want to yeah. have to have this thing you bought fail or not meet your requirements and then have to buy another one right but like there's this whole side of when you when you buy not like buy low but maybe maybe buy at like for value like there's like this huge upside. Um, like, uh, so we're, Laura and I are having dinner uh, on Thursday with this couple and they bought uh, this this 
place in Jersey City that we haven't seen, but was described as roughly a shithole in this ridiculously nice area. And I think there were all these stipulations around the deal while they're able to get a good price. And they're just uh, elbow greasing it and just fixing it up themselves. And if you could imagine like buying the shittiest thing in the nicest area and you do all this work and at the end, like you've created more value that like if a kitchen, a new kitchen costs 15000 but it's in like a really nice area, like maybe a new kitchen is worth 50000 yeah, you know when you sell it, um, you, like you can get uh, headphones, right? And then you need new ones. You sell them on eBay, and you might yeah. get like twenty percent of the value. But like uh, an Apple laptop will retain quite a lot of its value when you sell it. Yep. And so it's, I don't know. I guess the thing for me is I often don't feel like my time spent trying to sell something is justified. Hmm. Because if I spend like, you know, maybe I spend three hours total taking pictures of the thing, putting it on Facebook Marketplace, putting it on Craigslist, then fielding a bunch of spam offers, trying to figure out who's legit, and then dealing with a bunch of people bidding, like lowballing me, finally getting somebody, then having to go meet them in the parking lot of the grocery store, sell them the thing. It's like, and that's not three hours. It's like a total, like right, you know, one three hour session. That's three hours spread out amongst a week where I'm breaking my focus on important projects just to try to sell this, you know, $200 pair of headphones for a hundred dollars. It's like, I could have made $500 worth of stuff. I could have like, you know, upgraded my website or made a new video or whatever with that time. Dude, that's the $20 is $1 mindset thing. Like, so uh, one, like Laura and I have like, evening parties over taking pictures of books, boxing them, and, you know, 10 hours later making 50 bucks because we're weird like that. <laughs> but in your case, like, you, why don't you just hire a TaskRabbit? Uh, I could Pay do someone that. 12 bucks and they'll list it all for you. They'll come, I guess, they'll take pictures, you could yell at them, not give them any water, and then, you know, you got your stuff sold. So I've looked at TaskRabbit before and... I haven't seen people charging $12 an hour for anything. I looked at TaskRabbit for um, house cleaning services mm-hmm. and like there were like two options and both were like 90 bucks an hour. What? That's, that's, yeah, bull- that's what it I was. Mean, so maybe you have one TaskRabbit in your area. It, here, it could be that. Can, it could be that there's just not enough competition in Denver. I don't know. The most but, popular thing here is assembling IKEA furniture. And I mean, literally hiring a TaskRabbit to assemble IKEA furniture for you could save your marriage. So it might even be worth the $12, but. I don't know. You know what? Actually, I have an old printer that's sitting out there in the living room. And oh we're my just going to give it to the Goodwill. We we just switched our printers because, uh, I mean, well, you've seen Office Space and you know dealing with printers. They're, they're like, if you yeah. spend more than two hours trying to get it to work again, like, you just want, you're going to kill somebody. So we just put it outside and someone took it. Yep. But, uh, I think that's the thing. I just, I hate selling things so much that I would rather give it away. Obviously, mm. like if you enjoy selling things, then you should. Exactly. So, uh, I, I want to like switch gears because, uh, there, there's one part like, you know, controlling your spending, mm-hmm. which is a factor of, you know, just like spending less versus how much you make. But, it all goes somewhere, right? And yeah. then there's this like nebulous term retirement, 
which is has all the meaning in the world, but is yet meaningless. I mean, you're what, 26, Thomas? Yeah. So I don't know. You'll you'll so. quote unquote retire maybe in like 30 years or something. I think it'd be 40 if it was what, like whatever, 65. dude. Fine. You're really young. <laughs> but the point is, it's a really long time from now. And uh, there's this guy that you met, uh, Pete, Mr. Money Mustache. Oh, yeah. And famously, for years, him and his wife lived on roughly $24,000 a year, mm-hmm. which is shockingly low. Um, and, and we'll link so to, low. We'll link to his interview in the show notes and, and whatever. But he needed to save $500,000 for retirement. And you're like, well, that's like overkill. But actually, that is almost exactly complying with the 4% rule. Yep. And so if he wanted his money to last essentially forever because he's young and wanted to obviously live and and have money he needed five hundred thousand dollars and so you if you look at like the the disparity of this twenty four thousand a year you need to save five hundred thousand well if you spend more than that you probably need to save more um and most people have nowhere close there was a survey of Americans and fifty six percent of Americans have less than ten thousand saved which That's is like scary. Real scary. Yeah. yeah. One in three people have zero save for retirement. Yeah. 74% yeah, man, th- this freaks have me less out. than 100. This freaks me out. Like, I'm just like, what are people going to do? I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there are things that people have done forever. And probably like social security and some form of relying on children. But still, it's very scary. Uh, okay. So... Let's talk about ways to actually start saving money and mm. to curb that spending problem. And I know you have your refrigerator method that you are dangling above my head and not telling me about. Um, but the main thing is save first. This is why I don't feel bad about the money I spend because I have automatic savings and it just it comes out of my account and then I'm like, oh, Okay, well, whatever's left is mine to do with as I see fit. And it doesn't mean I'm blowing it down to zero every single month. But if I did, I still saved what I intended to save. I I agree. And I guess that was my mindset for, for a very long time is that, you know, we're we're building this thing and we have assets in other places and blah, blah, blah. Um, when you spend less, like it, it just reduces your stress. It really does, mm. um, because if if you need two thousand to live, well, you better make more than two thousand dollars a month. Yeah, right. Um, but you know, if you need two thousand to live, and you make I don't know five hundred thousand dollars a month, well, shit, like you have a huge margin of error, right? right. And so yeah. obviously, I don't make anywhere close to that. Neither do you. That's like insane. But like five hundred thousand a month. Yeah, we're we're almost there. We're almost. Yeah, there. I'm at we like four hundred and sixty-seven thousand a month. You know, based on my calculations, we need two hundred and fifty more years, and we will be there. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, I'll live that long. <laughs> <laughs> I'll claw my way to two fifty. But screw I'll screw those it. annuity companies. <laughs> yep, I'm gonna have all the annuities, and they're gonna be so pissed at me. <laughs> but yeah, no, that makes sense. And actually, so I'm curious. Um, Give me a picture of 
how you guys were spending typically a while ago when you were overspending mm. um, versus now. So like what are some of the changes? And yeah, uh, we we were pretty much spending indiscriminately. Um, it was uh, if if the opportunity was there to go out to eat or whatever, we didn't really buy things. We kind of just wanton spend it. Which yeah, so I guess like where where'd your money go? Is it like can eating out really take up that much money? So, so it certainly can take up a lot. Uh, drinking can take up a lot. Um, we uh, would buy fancy groceries. Um, we would just buy things for ourselves, like little things. And I guess the the whole like $20 is not a lot. Multiply that by like a couple hundred times a month and it becomes a lot. And so... Mm. Um, we we fell victim to that where we would like we have the same couch from like when we first moved in together forever ago we've reskinned it but uh you know but we'll buy like i don't know a bunch of dumb small things that we don't need like what like that that aren't food um one time we went to uh, a plant store and bought like a ton of plants. You saw that big plant that I have by my couch. Uh, yeah. the, we call him Hamon and uh, he was like 200 something dollars. That was just like oh, a day. We just bought him and, and other plants. Oh, okay. um, well, that we, plant we, looks dope though. He, he is pretty awesome, right? <laughs> I'm so glad he said he looks dope. I love him. Um, we, we buy art things sometimes. I, you know, I, I did think the scary thing is I don't really know, to be honest, um, <laughs> which, which is why it signaled a change. Like we had mm. to do something. Okay. So what were some of the changes you started making, including so, the refrigerator method? Yeah. So, uh, we, so do you use mint? You don't use mint. No. Mint right. doesn't play nice with two factor off on Vanguard. So it doesn't get used. Well, I mean, that has nothing to do with a budget. Do you budget? Nope. Okay, so, <laughs> and that that's kind of where we went. And I think in the beginning, um, we I had my job, Laura had her job. We didn't do much and we didn't make much, so we didn't mm -hmm. have much to spend and so we budgeted. And it was really easy because we don't make much money. Uh, you can't spend much and you have like four buckets to throw your money in, in like mint, and you're kind of yeah. good. You have like rent, food, and I don't know, some like going out to eat stuff. And as like we made more, we we acquired more expenses, and there was like some time where we like, I don't know if it was like we outgrew mint, but uh, we would fight over it more often, and mm. then it's such a pain to recategorize every expense, and we were like buying a lot of twenty dollar widgets, so it did work for us. Uh, we we recently. Uh, envision this like super uh, complicated, amazing refrigerator method, which was really we took all of our fixed expenses like mortgage, utilities, and we we just like ignore them, right? I mean, they're going to happen okay. anyways. They're as optimized as they're going to get, and we just focused on like I don't want to say discretionary, like groceries are not necessarily discretionary, but like spending that happens um, that we can control. Okay. And uh, we just create a bunch of lists with budgets. So like we could spend 250 a month on um, going out to eat, which is a lot, you know, um, like a hundred on shopping. And, and I think it totals up to like 650 maybe. Okay. 
And so we just make sure that we, we, and like every time we spend anything, like $5, we just write it under that category on the fridge. And then. Oh, so it's like manual recording method. But, but, but it's it was, in categories. Yeah. And, and it's like but the open thing is, for each person to see. We do, we, we refresh it weekly. And okay. I think the thing is, like, when you pull it out to a month, it's really hard. Like, your your uh, rent, your mortgage hits, and all of a sudden you have a spike in spending. And it's, but yeah. it, you know, evens out. Like, it becomes a little ridiculous. And who remembered, who remembers, like, how many times you bought whatever two weeks ago or three weeks ago? Yeah. And so it was just, uh, we know what we have remaining every mm-hmm. week for our various things. Um, and then we like plan for it or like we won't do something so we could do something better later. Um, and then I made like a little graph. And so we've, uh, before we, we, I mean, dude, my, my monthly credit card bill, our monthly credit card bill was five to $7,000 consistently more towards the 6,000 and that's not counting mortgage, whatever. Now we're spending like uh, I think the past two weeks we spent under five hundred and eighty dollars, so we're holy crap. Yeah, and you I slashed mean, your credit card bill ten times. <laughs> I do like, um, so I mean the credit card bill, and I don't know yet what it will be, but it'll, maybe it'll be like two or maybe a little less than two thousand. Okay, um, so maybe it's like a, a third. So were you saying like five hundred a week then, or yeah? So we would spend oh, like okay. five hundred, well, like. Five eighty a week is what we're spending. Gotcha. And uh, I'm like so much less stressed. It's insane because I, yeah, I imagine that you would be less stressed. I mean, like I would really have to suck to not meet our our obligations based on like what we're earning, and so yeah. it just kind of makes it easier. And then we hold. The, I think the thing is we hold each other accountable when the spending happens. And it's not like this monthly review where we take a bottle of wine and we have like five fights over the course of one budgeting session. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're talking about like the past. Whereas like if I went out with a friend and grabbed a beer and we spent money, well, then I put it on the fridge and now Laura and I can't do something together because I spent money with my friend. Mm. And so we're we're kind of like catching and adjusting weekly or daily as opposed to like at the end of the month being like that one sucked and then doing another month being like that sucked. Yeah. Which was more often what was happening. Cuz that's that's like the the review happens too it's like too far removed from the actual action. It's kind of like um like if you know your dog pees on the rug and then you like rub its nose in it like an hour later. Right, like he forgot. It probably doesn't know what you were doing that for. He just thinks you're an asshole, yeah. And if you're rubbing your cat's nose in the pee, it just doesn't care ever. Right, it's like I'm doing this again now. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like if you you have a puppy and you're potty training it, and I don't know if you're actually supposed to rub its nose in that. That seems a little cruel, but you probably should do something that's like Mm. negative reinforcement if it does that. But you know, you want to do that immediately. So it forms an association. Oh, I did that and I was punished. Okay, I shouldn't do that. Not, I was randomly punished for some reason. And oh, there's pee on the rug. I don't know why that got there. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense where you're immediately recording the expense. And I like how your wife is able to see it and you're able to see her spending. It's like team spending. Exactly. And so we have, uh, and, and you know, like if I don't need anything, 
this week, you know, we have a hundred dollars in a shopping budget. She can go and get whatever, right? Like mm. we're, it's like the same team, same budget, but it's, it's not like we don't treat it like, well, I better use it before you do type, mm-hmm. you know? And I guess you have to have that mindset to, for this to work at least. Yeah. Yeah. I think you guys are, are very, very team oriented with your money. Mm. Anna and I are a little bit more independent with ours, but I think both methods can be valid. Oh, for sure. It's definitely cool that you guys have been able to slash your budget or your spending by that much. I just am constantly cackling in the kitchen because it's like so, you know, I'm as happy as I was when I was spending three times more. But um, now we have like this huge buffer and we're we're actually just like hardcore saving. Are you guys, uh, are you cooking more because of this? So... I, th- I think so, although I feel like we, and by we, I mean Laura, she does the lion's share. I maybe do like 5 to 10%. Like she's like, dice these, like mm-hmm. take the shells off the shrimp or something. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe it amounts to one or two more meals a week, but, you know, it, it, that's a lot over time. And I think like there were times we had bought and planned, like, you know, the chicken's out, it's in the fridge or it's in the sink. And we just want to go shopping or do something real quick. And then we go out to eat and we lose the chicken because it's mm, not in the fridge. So you spent the money on the going out to eat and the chicken, which is yeah, thrown away. We were just like straight up assholes. Okay. Yeah. So that, I guess like the whole being too lazy to cook and going out to eat or ordering takeout, that's a big expense for a lot of people. And I think we go in cycles. We'll have cycles where we're very good about cooking. And then there are cycles where usually it's Anna and I are both like just inundated with projects that we're working on during the evenings. And we'll just be like, I don't want to cook tonight and order $45 worth of Chinese food. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's the thing with DoorDash. There's like a delivery fee and you get to tip your dasher. Yeah. And there's tax. So it's like, you figure out what it's going to cost, and there's like three extra fees. So you don't have that are like, all like three or four bucks. Or Grubhub or something. We've or got deli- that. Because not all restaurants through those platforms have a, um, like a, you know, like there's a DoorDash fee and then you have to like tip. Yeah. Like a, a lot of them don't have that. You just tip. Oh, you know what? I should, I should check. I've literally never even downloaded Seamless on my phone and I, think, I don't look at Grubhub. So I think DoorDash is like a service. That is like like the the restaurant you're buying from doesn't subscribe to DoorDash. You do, and they just yeah. go and get it for you. Whereas, like if it was seamless, it's go it goes to the restaurant. They send somebody. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm pretty sure DoorDash is is almost like Uber Eats, mm. though Uber Eats seemed even more expensive. Like their delivery fees were oh, crazy. Wow. So, all right, well, I'll try seamless then. Though I probably shouldn't give myself more reasons to order more takeout. i should probably just cook more often yeah that's that's the problem of being like artistic Mm. there's this constant back and forth between having your domestic shit together and being in like a manic state of creation i think every time a normal person that could be it every time i make a video i basically destroy my house and then at the end i have to go through this whole like multi-day cleanup process (laughs) (laughs) it's basically how it works Oh yeah, the, the days I record like, or just the research like Monday, Tuesdays are just like dead to me. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, I think uh, maybe people should try out the fridge method. Mm. 
It worked for us. I don't know. That works for you. I know that my friend Martin has also, he doesn't do the fridge method, but he does a lot of uh, manual expense tracking. And again, that's all about realizing the expenditure in the moment when it happens. So you're getting, it's like a feedback loop. Yeah. Immediate feedback loop. It's like um, when you used to give dollars to buy things. Now you just swipe a card. At yeah. least you like acknowledge it. Yeah. It'd be like if you, you skip the gym and your trainer immediately showed up at your door and punched you in the face. Like, ah, crap. Whereas at the end of the month, you're like, ah, I didn't go to the gym at all this month. Damn it. I sucked. I'll do better next month. But you, you don't really feel the consequence in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's not a serious. And look, even if like you go and you swipe your card and it's like $20 and you're like, whatever. But if you could go back and then see a $20 spends, like that feels differently. You're like, holy shit. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess the main idea here is um, whatever you're spending in the month, unless you are in a very small percentage of people, it's probably more than you need to be spending to be happy. And it's probably a lot of it is um, almost unconscious spending. Mm. Such as buying chicken with the intention to make dinner and then going out to eat. That's like exactly. the perfect example of unconscious lazy spending. So look at the areas in your life. <laughs> Thank I you for that, that acknowledgement. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've done the same thing too. So trust me, you're not the only one. And it's definitely something that I need to look into. Um, you know, be more diligent about. Mm. And this is a good reminder. So thank you, sir. Sure. All right. Well, if you guys want to find the show notes for this episode, along with any other episode we've ever recorded, you can find them over at listenmoneymatters.com slash show. Or you can find our favorite tools and apps and books and resources at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. I'm not sure why I said or. It's not like it's a choice. You could do both of those Mm, if you wanted to. We could design the site so you could only do one but that would be kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. So we're not going to do that. (laughs) Um, And lastly, as always, you can email us your questions about personal finance, about income, about budgeting methods, how to get rid of debt, all that kind of stuff. Uh, We are listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. You can also send us your catchphrases for the beginning of the episodes there. So if you have a dumb song you want Martin to sing, not Martin, Andrew, I'm getting confused (laughs) in my podcast today. I've done four podcasts today. My brain is mush. Damn. That is a lot. <laughs> two, I feel like two is a lot. I, it's a batch day. Well, you guys, when you were with Matt, you used to do like eight in a day, didn't you? I, I was gonna, just going to say, I don't know what we did, how we did it. We would like crush seven, eight, sometimes <laughs> nine in a day. It was it was madness. The key is just to be tanked at the end of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> T- tanked by episode three. <laughs> and then, yeah. Yeah. Each of us have been podcasting for five years. You'd think we'd be better at batching, but now we're worse. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Blame it on the old age. Yep, that, that's what it is. Um, you know, we have an age disparity, but we're both old, old podcasting souls. Yes. Anyway, yes, send us silly catchphrases if you have songs that Andrew should sing or whatever. Uh, again, listen, money matters at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. If you guys enjoy this show, I don't say this often, but. Um, you can leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. It's definitely a good thing. Helps us climb the rankings charts and get new listeners, but also gives us good feedback on what we could improve on, what you like, what you don't like, all that kind of stuff. So big ups if you do that. But in general, thank you for listening, and we'll see you in next week's episode. Later, man. Later, dude.
please tell your friends about this show. Thank <laughs> you.